Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. Uh, I apologize for the uh, last few episodes. I've been experimenting with some different mics. I uh, see which one I like the best, so I do apologize if uh, the sound quality has been wavering a little bit. Uh, hopefully, you guys have still been enjoying the podcast, the content, uh, fresh content. So, hopefully, you can appreciate that and uh, bear with me here. But nonetheless, uh, just always trying to improve the podcast. So, you know, it's it's kind of always like anything. Everything is kind of a work in progress. You're always working to get better at whatever it is you do, whether it be fitness, cooking, your professional life, your relationship life, whatever it might be. It's a work in progress. No different here than having the podcast. Always trying to make it better for all of you. Anyway, uh, like I had said a few episodes ago, I wouldn't be your favorite poker playing guitarist if I wasn't ever talking about poker. So I figured I would do another recap, Uh, another decade of poker seasons is kind of behind us. So kind of, I wanted to do an episode here today uh, talking about and understanding the poker season, so to speak, uh, down in Las Vegas, or at least here in North America, uh, which takes place in Las Vegas, Uh, kind of understand the poker season, help you kind of navigate it for yourselves if you're new to it, uh, if you're thinking of heading down maybe next year, uh, or if you, uh, it was your first time down and you felt overwhelmed, maybe walking you through some of those things that might have had you overwhelmed, uh, and maybe making your uh, process a little bit easier next year. As someone who has done this before, Uh, I do always try to share this knowledge uh, with all of you uh, because I think it is so vital. And it's one of those things, too. It doesn't really impact other players. I I hate the idea of thinking that I'm withholding something that is so useful to so many people. And I wish I had had this information or at least know where to find it uh, when I started going down and competing in the kind of poker season, so to speak, down in Las Vegas. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, poker season kind of runs from the end of May to July. Uh, it, it kind of varies through there when some start earlier, some end later, whatever it is, it kind of goes from the end of May till July, middle July, end of July for some of them. That is kind of your prime poker pl- tournament season. Uh, the cash games are also uh, big, bountiful, lucrative, all of that. It is just the time when all the best in the world and in North America gather together uh, to see where they stand. And how I described poker season uh, to my buddy Nick here in Winnipeg when I come back from it, I said, poker season kind of allows you to measure yourself compared to your opponents and see what how the next year is going to shape out. It's It kind of lets you know where you're at stakes-wise, where you're at against the competition, and whether and where you kind of are in terms of, is this something I can continue to do uh, for a living? Is it something I can take the next step in advancing my career? Whatever it might be, it's kind of your measuring stick to let you know where you stand moving forward in a way. And that's how I use it at... Um, at least, and everybody's different, but this is just kind of my experience and my kind of takeaway from it every year. And you try to have a great, successful uh, tournament season, and in turn, that'll let you know where you kind of stand. So that's kind of what, in my opinion, the purpose of it is. Now, of course, there's a little, uh, depending on, you know, your level of the game or what involvement you have in the game of poker, there's other things at stake too. I mean, there's player of the year competitions, 
Uh, again, all the big lucrative tournaments are being played. So all of those kind of things. But again, it's that measuring stick on an annual basis of where everybody's at, the changes they've made, the changes um, kind of compared to each other, so relative um, changes. All of that gets measured in the summertime. And a lot of people, like, so a lot of my friends that know poker, watch poker, always kind of assume it, it's just the World Series of Poker. And they always ask, oh, that's when the World Series of Poker is. And I say, well, yes. But the World Series of Poker is just one piece of the big pie that is the summer poker season. Um, it is kind of, in a way, regarded as the biggest kind of big league events there are uh, during the poker season. And, I, and I'm not going to debate that. I'm just kind of going to stick with how it's kind of viewed. Uh, so not by me, but kind of by the general poker community. The World Series are the bigger, the kind of the big league of poker events. Um, which of course provide the most prestigious kind of award you can get in poker, which is a WSOP bracelet. Uh, the current record for bracelets is 15 bracelets uh, held by Phil Hellmuth. To put that into perspective, they've been having World Series of Poker events for 50 years. And I mean, now we're having, you know, 60, 70, 80 events a year. And the most that one person has ever been able to do is win 15. So that kind of tells you just how great poker players have become the stiffness of the competition the level of the competition and the growth of the game um seeing as how phil helmy might have been one of the, is kind of the only one to have seen multiple eras of poker and have success across all of them now some of them have done it over a couple of eras but i don't know that bracelets have been well i mean doyle brunson too um but not as much into the modern era for doyle but nonetheless you look at one of these these kind of forefathers of poker, and he's kind of been around for a lot of these eras. So, a little sidebar there on Phil Hellmuth. We can say what we want about the guy, um, and a lot, you know, but and have our opinions about him. Uh, but at the end of the day, we can't discredit his accomplishments. And uh, you know, people can have their opinions of his antics. Uh, we can say whatever you know, say what we want about his antics, and you know, some of the things that happen on TV. Uh, but at the end of the day, his accomplishments do speak for themselves. Now, with that being said, um, you've seen the emergence of, of new stars. You've seen kind of stars that have stuck around, stars that have had reemergences. Guys like Daniel Negreanu hasn't won a bracelet in forever, but he's maintained his relevance in poker and has kind of, in a way, kind of changed access now to the modern state of the game. Uh, you know, with his vlogging that he does throughout the World Series, uh, the way he sold action this year. Again, these guys are kind of pioneering poker and helping poker grow in their own ways. Uh, whatever we, your opinion be on these people personally, uh, or whatever you've read, seen, whatever might be, let's just look at the accomplishments and what the, the contributions for himself. You have guys like Sean Deeb, who are just so consistently successful and so difficult to beat, and I've taken that kind of now dominance, right? They're consistently cashing, consistently having deep runs, and playing and winning tournaments at the highest level a guy like michael mike uh michael the grinder mizraki five bracelets this decade um which is quite the accomplishment in itself he's actually now become i'm not sure who can pass him in europe i think maybe his brother can um but i'm not too sure maybe sean deeb if he gets a bracelet uh in europe but um as of right now five bracelets in the decade makes him the most successful bracelet winner of the last decade so congratulations to him so and he's been around for a long long time too right so 
It's not like, oh, if you didn't have success early on. Success kind of comes at different times for a lot of poker players' careers. Um, and your game's kind of always growing, right? And I think it's kind of nice to see guys like Michael Mizraki who have been around for a long time kind of have that can that dominance all of a sudden now and that aura of dominance and success. And he's a tough guy to play against. And a lot of people, even when I talk to like amateur and recreational players uh, throughout the season, you know, that have had the chance to play with him, they say he's such a tough opponent to play against. So you're seeing the growth change and you're also seeing a lot of consistency as well, but and, and movement within poker. Regardless, uh, wherever you fit into that, that's, that's typically where you're going to see these guys at the World Series and just kind of that growth and aspect of the game change. Um, but nonetheless, without the World Series, you know, so that's just kind of the background there on the World Series of Poker, and just how prestigious and how it's regarded in the poker community. After that, now, you take a relatively significant... Now, of course, sorry. Uh, and, and when I say these events, these are the ones that kind of appeal to the broadest range of players. Um, there are still those high roller and super high roller circuits, which I'll touch on, but there's no sense in going into too much about them because for most of us, that's just not happening or going, you know, or necessarily going to happen and doesn't really kind of, it, it, it exists during the poker season, but isn't at the forefront of it. And poker season kind of takes over from that. But the high roller circuit is now you're seeing these events that have now gotten into these high rollers and super high roller events and mega high roller events um, all over the world are hosting these and I mean it's great to watch and, and as a spectator I like seeing it um, but these are happening and even that aspect of the game is growing and it's kind of changing a lot of aspects of the game now in terms of over how we're measuring success how we're looking at who the best players are uh, a lot of that is being impacted now by these high rollers and super high roller events. So it's interesting to see now how that's kind of shaping and shifting poker as well. And you're kind of starting to see like that's kind of now become the pro level of poker. Um, especially now that staking has become more um, prevalent in poker. Uh, for better or worse, you're just seeing a lot more of that and selling of action. So you're seeing that. But in terms of the regular poker season that applies to most of us, uh, the World Series is the biggest. Followed by... Uh, down there, you probably have the Venetian and Win come in next as the next kind of highest stake and highest competition level. Um, again, you're typically I, I I I'm looking here quickly through the Venetian schedule, and I think even their highest of roller events uh, is only a few grand uh, buy-in. Uh, I've only yeah they have a thirty-five hundred dollar um, buy-in there. Uh, with a two million dollar prize pool, I I don't think it actually ever gets bigger than those thirty five hundred dollar buy in. Oh yeah, there's a five thousand dollar one as well. Uh, now before I'm forced to eat crow here, let's see. Okay, so five thousand appears to be the biggest there. Um, I believe at the win, it's somewhere in that you know that fifteen thousand hundred, uh, maybe three thousand. But there's typically where you're going to see a lot of those kind of regular, everyday grinding pros. These are the guys that are playing tournament, playing cash games, streaming their cash games, all that. That's where you're seeing a lot of these players play, as well as at the World Series. And you're even seeing some big-name players come to some of these events as well, um, because they are so well-run. They do have a lot of uh, they do have great structures, uh, great buy-in to prize pool ratios. So you're seeing a lot of that. Um, and it is the next step in terms of 
uh, competition, um, stakes, and in a way is kind of become that new professional ground for the amateur and recreational players. It's that new kind of boundary level, and you're seeing some very great, um, good tournament poker being played at this level. Um, not to take away from the World Series at all, but you're seeing now that the kind of recreational amateur players are having like a bigger league to move to as well, and that's kind of where the Venetian and the win have kind of come in and really um, captured that. As well as now you're starting to see some movement there in terms of the Planet Hollywood, uh, GoldenEye, and Aria as well have moved in. And what gives those other venues some of that um, place as well, um, space as well rather, is in terms of the game offerings. The Venetian and Win primarily offer uh, one of three games. It's usually No Limit Hold'em, Pot Limit Omaha, or Omaha High Low. Sometimes you see some big O, sometimes some mixed Omaha events, but it's typically Hold'em or Omaha that they are hosting. And in terms of, as I said, that measuring stick for you in those games, that is now become the big league for most recreational slash amateur players. Um, and as I said, you do see a lot of pros in these events too. So. It's a very different thing. It allows you to kind of almost build your own bankroll a little bit more than maybe the World Series does for a lot of those pros and grinders. So you're seeing that. Uh, and where you see a lot of the, where I was saying like Aria comes in and Planet Hollywood and Golden Nugget and now even the Orleans uh, getting involved is for some of those mixed games now. You're seeing a lot more of those mixed games or non-mainstream games offered at these other venues. And so if you're like me and you like playing draw games, I now have one, two, three, four, maybe five other venues that I can go to to play those draw games, uh, to play stud, to play raz, um, to play mixed, you know, high-low games, um, horse, um, all of those games, you're kind of seeing, um, you're getting a chance to play. So you're seeing now at... Uh, which is nice that because of the growth of this the game and pastime or sport, whatever you might want to call it, a lot um, more opportunities to play these games live. And for a lot of us players, it's the games we prefer to play um, once you get to a certain level of skill, ability, talent, whatnot. You might have a preference in these games, and rather than pay a $1,500 buy, and you can maybe pay a $460 or a $340 or a $250. So you're getting in those games that you like to play, playing them live, and for a much smaller buy-in, uh, which is nice. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. And as I said, you do see some name brand players in these kind of second below the World Series um, of play, and I was happy to do very well uh, in the draw games this summer, and actually across all the tournaments I played, uh, I, I, I can't think of too many times I came out of the top 20% uh, of players. So that was, that was very reassuring, especially in games where I didn't really have the greatest of expertise or experience in. Still being able to compete with these players um, was, was an absolute honor and uh, a really great measuring stick for myself and a point of pride in knowing I could hang at this level of poker. So that was really nice. I liked seeing that. I like that they have that. And to understand kind of the stakes, you know, you're seeing... So for the Venetian and Win events, uh, that's usually you're seeing that cut the, on the low end, maybe there's a couple of $200 buy-in events, and that's at the low end. At the higher end, as I said, um, at the Win, you're usually seeing within that couple of thousand dollars. I think this summer, they just had a lot of like $1,100 and $1,500 events, if I'm not mistaken. And at the Venetian, they had a $5,000 event, a $3,500 event, and quite a few between that $200 to $1,600 buy-in. Uh, 
And part of that too becomes variance of player, right? So when you're picking your stakes, you're kind of taking two things. You're understanding where you're at and where you want your desired competition to be or where you feel your desired competition should be at. Uh, so keep that in mind. And, and it's okay to balance between the stake levels. So when you're thinking about this and looking at, okay, well, you know, there's an event here, there's an event there. If you know, for instance, game X isn't your strongest, why not play that next step, uh, step down at a different venue, right? And get that experience. And I like to do that too when measuring, you know, some of the bigger um, prize pooled events in various games, try to get in some experience at the different stakes, understand the competition, getting in that practice. It's like anything, kind of getting into game shape. Uh, and that's kind of why if you're going to do the poker season, it is a long, hard grind. And you do need to kind of dedicate your time and resources to this. And it is very resource heavy, um, financially, uh, mentally, physically, all of this. So understand that. And that's a big part of that as well that I wanted to talk about is understanding it is a commitment. This is what you're here to do. You're here to play poker, focus on poker, study poker, excel at poker. Um, taking time off is fine. We all need to do it. But understand that if you're there to play the season and grind through the season, that's what you're there to do. And I'm not going to undersell how difficult and how demanding that is. So keep that in mind as well as a big part of this and understanding the poker season. And part of playing on the, the difference is at the Rio and Orleans and Nugget, they're, they're far away from the strip, but you have that concentration of events on the strip as well when you think of Aria, Planet Hollywood, Wynn, and Venetian all hosting poker events. And that allows you some movement as well and allows you to kind of some change of scenery, some fresh air as well in terms of just getting a different feel, get, you know, playing against different competitions. Sometimes you will see, actually not sometimes, I can almost guarantee you will see players or opponents at various venues. You will play against the same people at various venues. It happens. So that's a big thing to understand as well. Uh, now, with that being said, um, again, you don't have to feel compelled to play all the different levels at any time. And don't let anybody kind of shame you into what games you're playing. You have to, it's your money. It's your time. It's your life. You do you, right? And even if it's just something where, you know, maybe you know you're going to be outskilled and outmatched, but you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to know what it's like to play this event. I'm not, I'm not encouraging irresponsible gambling or playing, but I mean, yeah. Do you see, you know, the $500 event buy-in events that they were having a lot of at the world series? That's where you might, you know, that's where a great kind of sampling is going to happen. And this year, I think you saw a lot more of that, a lot more kind of encompassing of trying to get the the broadest range of players across all of the different events. And the world series at being that it is the 50th anniversary really did a lot to include the widest spectrum of players. They increased uh, the stack sizes. Um, they all across the spectrum, the big blind ante was used in Hold'em. Uh, it was also used in, in uh, single draw, um, but I, I don't get into this all again. But nonetheless, the big blind ante is now here and it's here to stay. I prefer it. But nonetheless, even at the World Series, they had a lot of these events that were $500 buy-ins. Um, I think they even had a $400 buy-in bracelet event. I could be wrong. I'm just quickly going through the schedule. 
but quite a few five, six, eight, um, hundred dollar events and thousand and less. And when I first started going down to Vegas, I think there was maybe one event. Yeah. $400 Colossus, um, this year. And, uh, when I first started going down, Colossus was, I think $365. And then there was the crazy eights. And those were the two events after, uh, that were under a thousand. After that, you were looking at a thousand dollars plus. And a lot of people have argued that the, the world series wasn't meant to be a low stakes tournament. It was always meant to be a mid to high stakes tournament to measure yourself at that level. And I, I do respect that. And I think in terms of maintaining prestige, there's a lot of validity to that argument that it wasn't necessarily meant to be for everyone. And if you wanted to play in the world series of poker, you were making a commitment to yourself and an investment in yourself and a bet in yourself that you could play at that stake. So I, there's been a lot of talk in the community about how the stakes were brought down a little bit this summer. And it'll be interesting to see now that the anniversary edition's gone, what they revert back to for the 51st or what kind of becomes the movement moving forward. Either way, there's arguments both sides. Uh, I think the the reason in the community for the talk again, you know, at keeping it a mid to high stakes tournament series is that there are all these other events now that are growing uh, that have the capacity to, you know, have these players and there should be a graduation and a progression through the levels. And I understand that because there is in every other sport, you graduate from level to level to level. And I can understand how in the poker community, there should be a semblance of that as well. I'm totally okay with that aspect of it. I do understand though, from a business perspective and from a trying to bring in all the players and giving people, you know, you hear about the World Series, you see it on TV, that chance to play in the event, I understand that as well. So it's, it is a balancing act and that's going to be what's, I think, moving forward, what we're going to have to see how these things shape out. Um, I think the schedules are going to continue to grow. I think the events are going to continue to grow, especially at these non-World Series events. Uh, you're seeing more and more players go down just to play these events. Uh, and I would comfortably say even for myself, uh, next year, if I were to go down and play the poker season again, uh, as you guys know, I have so many other things going on in my life uh, that um, poker... It's not so much is it is taking a backseat, but as we try to shift to what you know towards other endeavors, um, I don't know that I have the time commitment next summer for uh, poker or for the whole season. That if I were again, I might be looking at again taking that step down and playing these other events. And there's a lot of fun, a lot of thing, uh, a lot of good times to be had, a lot of great poker to be played at some of these other events as well. So it's not like oh, only the best poker is being played at the World Series of Poker. You're finding great poker all over the place. And remember too, there's even still at the lower stakes than that, there are those daily tournaments that all, that a lot of the casinos offer. Again, if you're just going to go down and grind those, that's perfectly fine as well. And sometimes you need that. I take days where I just, that's all I want to play is a few, you know, a couple of daily tournaments at whatever um, hotel and casino. And, you know, just work on some moves, especially when I get down. Um, last year and this year, I kind of get, I always try to get down right at the beginning. I'd rather be there before the action than towards like once the action's picked up and at the end, I find you want to be there uh, for me. It's better to be there at the beginning, uh, which means I do give up my best, those best summer days here in Manitoba. So that's kind of a big consideration as well. Um, and not only that, Jess has been really great at standing by me, uh, these last couple of years of us being together and me doing the tournament series. And it's only fair in a way that, you know, 
you look at kind of giving back, right? We have to make uh, compromises in life and that's uh, one. So nonetheless, we'll see how this, uh, we'll see what I decide next year. And of course I'll talk about this going into the season. Once I kind of have the schedules, we can break them down a little more. And as I've said on the podcast here, really do a lot more poker kind of content and, and poker talk here not so much on the strategy, but on the state of the game um, and, and just kind of offer you some insights that maybe hopefully help you out. But nonetheless, there's something for everyone and that's the thing to understand is that there's a great chance to make a lot of money. You can make some life-changing amounts of money at a variety of different events. And that's all I'm trying to say is that if it's about the money, those prize pools exist and uh, there's something for everyone and it's getting bigger Poker is strong. It's probably stronger than it's ever been, in my opinion. And uh, so hopefully this helps you understand kind of how the poker season works. So if any of you out there have friends that say, oh yeah, I go down for poker season, this might kind of help you understand is that it is a grind. And in a way you are going from venue to venue. And when you start seeing players that specialize in certain types of events, that's where you're more likely to see more movement between venues. Sometimes you get people that just want to play, you know, a variety of games, but don't want to leave. So they'll play all the planet hollywood or all the golden nugget or all the win or all the venetian but you might see some of those specialist players moving between different places and that's kind of cool to see just all the different dynamics of it as well keeping in mind you're in the fucking desert in the in the heart of summer um as well so it's a tough uh challenge it's a tough time but uh for all of you out there that do do it hats off to you um, I know what you go through. And for those of you thinking about it, hopefully this helps and helps you kind of understand uh, the different levels that there are uh, in terms of play. Like, for instance, at the Golden Nugget, I don't think they had a single event that was more than $500. You know, so there, there's a convergence of uh, buy-ins. So you're seeing there a lot more um, of those buy-ins between 100 and and even slightly less to 300 to 400 and wait oh yeah they had an 1100 they had a thousand dollar senior uh senior high roller right so that's kind of just what i'm yeah their championship events are 570 dollars so again on your lower end that's what you have uh you have some of these other events and and golden nugget runs a great room it's a nice hotel um you know, so just, and, and, and like anything, when you're down there for poker season, of course, first and um, foremost, be safe, be responsible, um, know where you're going, uh, always have transportation available, and uh, just be very careful out there uh, with yourself, with your money, all of that. And uh, nonetheless, hopefully this kind of helps you understand the poker season a little bit. I hope it's helped, uh, and I look forward to doing more poker episodes over the next little while. Anyway, I uh, thank you. And I've done some other poker episodes, so feel free to check those other ones out and maybe compare the two and listen to both. I always encourage people to go back, listen to old episodes. Uh, go back, listen to both, and kind of get the information you need. Uh, but nonetheless, I'll leave you guys there for now. I thank you so much for tuning in this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Take care and bye-bye for now.